Welcome to Skip the Queue, a podcast for people working in or working with visitor attractions. I'm your host, Kelly Molson. Each episode, I speak with industry experts from the attractions world. In today's episode, I speak with Sophie Ballinger, Communication and Digital Content Manager at Eureka, the National Children's Museum. We'll be discussing the website tendering process and all the things you need to include to make a perfect website brief. If you like what you hear, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify and all the usual channels by searching Skip the Queue. Hey up, Duck! Hey up, Duck! Oh, I'm so excited. I've got the lovely Sophie Ballinger in here today um, <laughs> from Eureka Museum. My official title. Eureka, yes, Eureka, the National Children's Museum. And we are going to talk all things how to write a website brief that agencies will thank you for. But first, it's the icebreaker questions time. <laughs> All right. Uh, weirdest thing you've ever won a prize for? Oh, I got given a tiny little trophy for the best social media response. And it was a visitor to Eureka <laughs> on very busy February half term who compared it to the fall of Saigon in 76. And I just replied, you weren't there, man. <laughs> that was quite weird. I think. That is excellent. I have to say, your um, your social media feed is excellent. Oh, well, thank you. You have good Twitter chat, which I like. <laughs> what is your favourite smell and why? Yeah, I could be really corny and say, my daughter's head. Um, I love the smell of creosote. What? I love the smell of creosote. I think it's in association with my nan, who I loved to bits, absolutely adored my nan. And in order to go into her house... You had to go past the fence, which she creosoted religiously um, every couple of years. And it, I, I wonder if, yeah, I think that's the association, but I don't know. I love the smell of creosote. Wow. Nanas and creosote is not, <laughs> this is not, it's quite an unusual combo, right? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say, you know, Werther's Originals from a Nana, you know, like, <laughs> creosote. To be fair, tarmac is the same for me because my <gasps> dad was a tarmac years yeah. ago. He used to tarmac kids' playgrounds. And so every time I smell a tar- the tarmac, it always reminds me of my dad because he used to come home thinking of it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what's your unpopular opinion? I oh, see. I've really struggled with this. This is a relatively recent one that's just doing my head in. And it's why and how are Coldplay still a thing? <laughs> oh, I've got someone that would 100% agree with you on this. <gasps> It's just doing my head in. I didn't even realise it was still a thing until relatively recently. So I, I've got a, I've got an eight-year-old daughter who's discovered Radio One, and I haven't really listened to Radio One for years. I saw, I remember seeing Coldplay playing Glastonbury on the telly. I wasn't there, and I'm like, we're probably talking late nineties, I guess ninety-nine, around then. I think you know maybe they've got something interesting, and then I got really bored of them really quickly, and I wasn't aware that they were still a thing all this time, and then suddenly. Every time I look at the BBC website, like the other day, there was a story about them going on tour and they're doing an eco-friendly world tour where the floor charge, people dancing on the floor charges. Mm. And now they've done a single with BTS. I know. They're current now. That's why they've done it, right? I know, but why? (laughs) They've got teenage children. They must be, their kids must be mortified. (laughs) They're the same age as me. It's like me doing a collaboration with doja cat or something this is my favorite unpopular opinion ever <laughs> yeah why how why explain it to thing. also chris martin does dance like a nana as well if you if you ever watch yes excellent all right well i mean i look forward <laughs> to the tweets about this tell me what if you someone think. can explain it and if someone can tell me who it is that's buying their records they'll hunt them down <laughs> <laughs> the wrath of sophie <laughs> All right, great. Thank you for sharing that. I feel lighter for it. 
Right. So a few months ago, I was on a mutual friend's podcast. I was on Alex Holloman's podcast, mm-hmm. Choosing an Agency podcast. And he asked me, what is the best brief that you've ever received? Like website brief. I said it was the brief that we got from Eureka, the National Children's Museum, because it was excellent. And I went into great detail as to why. Mm. And I thought it would be really interesting to have a chat with you about that tender process that you went through. Yeah. And why I think that your brief is excellent or was excellent. We actually wrote a blog which is up on our website. It's called How to Write a Website Brief that Agencies Will Thank You For, which is the same title as this podcast. <laughs> um, and we detail in it all of the things that we would love to see as an agency from a brief. And it's things like, you know, really understanding your company profile, the project goals and objectives, target audience, what's up with the current website, really what you want from your new website, competitors schedule budget what that selection process and the feedback Mm. is going to look like so there's there's quite a lot to it probably some more things that we could add to that now but I thought yeah let's have a chat about the tender processing to start with and then we can go through in detail why I feel like your brief is superb (laughs) sound good yep the way that we got involved in the Eureka brief it wasn't direct it was a bit of a weird one so I think it was back in March 2016 um you, you'd actually put out kind of an invitation to tender for the new Eureka website. And it was a it was an open tender, wasn't it? It went out. Yes, yeah, we did um, an expression of interest. Just a general, we just slung it. We didn't put it on any kind of special tendering sites. We just put an expression of interest out on all of our social media channels for anyone that wants to get the tender once it was ready. And we got, it was, I think, 100 or 100 law, 101 expressions of interest and your yeah rubber cheese wasn't one of those agencies no <laughs> we, were, we were the 102nd one we were 102 then yeah okay <laughs> so we found out about it through another agency so a really good friend of mine eddie who was at hattrick media at the time he'd done a photo shoot with you years before yeah his his partner and children were oh no and him i've got pictures of him with a laundry basket on yeah um yeah they were start of our play 20 campaign and website randomly <laughs> I think he got the tender or was he'd seen it somehow and then it was it wasn't for him and he called us and was like guys this is a tender for you I'm going to introduce you to Sophie I really feel like you should go for this and we saw it and went uh yeah defo <laughs> and that was how we got involved so yes yeah, so we were like the 102nd person or agency that got in touch wow <laughs> How do you even manage that? Was that at that point were you thinking mm, maybe an open inv- invitation was not the best of ideas? Well, I mean, we we had done just open tenders before. Um, and I think kind of from the, the previous one, we had a really, really good response to, but we hadn't been anywhere near as open with that. So, I mean, that was the bit of learning that I took from doing the open tender previously was that actually there were lots of people that just weren't able to do it. The reason Eddie couldn't go for it was because one of the things I did specify in it was that I wanted this, um, the CMS, the content management system, to be open source. And the, the CMS that they work with wasn't. But they said, look, we can't go for this, but we know someone who'd be brilliant for it. And that was kind of when they put it through to you. But again, had we not specified that in the brief, they would have wasted their time submitting kind of uh, did a submission for it and they would never have got never have got the gig basically so it, that was actually one of those things that was a learning a learning curve from the previous time we'd done it yeah so 102 submissions of interest mm. what did that look like in turn because I know what we went through so we we got in touch with you 
we we got the brief late so there there was time frames in it that you wanted a response for we got this a lot later than everyone else you very kindly actually gave us an extension mm-hmm. so that we could come up and visit you um see this like really get a good feel for Eureka and actually you gifted us some time to talk to you as well mm-hmm. but what I really liked about the brief and this is one of the things that I think is is key about a brief is you said I will I'm happy to answer questions I'm happy to schedule time to speak mm-hmm. to people that is quite a rare thing sometimes with a brief is that you mm-hmm. don't sometimes especially with very formal ones that go out on the formal tender platforms that I, I, I can rant about all day long you don't often get the opportunity to actually meet somebody in person or even grab a phone call to talk through the project um, mm. and talk through the brief. But if you had 102 interests, how many people did you meet and speak to? Um, well, the actual submissions, I think we got gosh, 38 and I did meet a lot of them, not all of them. But for me, First of all, kind of when, when I've gone through tender processes previously, I've often had my hands pretty tied on them anyway. So I might have been working in public sector or um, other institutions where you, you just you are told what you can and can't say and they're really strict on it. And I'd kind of brought that approach across to Eureka and my director at the time, that was how he viewed it. Whereas this time around, I just said, but why? <laughs> For me, the relationship and my ability to get on with the the people I'm going to be working with and vice versa they might spend some time with me and never want to see me ever again but that is a key part of an effective working (laughs) relationship with an agency um so I did say and um in fact my my boss then who's my boss now Michelle was on here before wasn't she um she was just go for it and I said it will take a lot of time and I probably will have to spend a lot of time going and meeting people explaining the museum but I really want them to understand us I want them to understand me um, I want to see if we get on I want to get some kind of feel for whether I think they get us and a big part of that actually which you and uh, Paul were brilliant at was I want to see if they're going to come into the museum and interact with stuff and have a go and kind of throw themselves into it and I think I can't remember how many people I met with. I, I basically say, if you want to come, I'll give you some tickets. I'll give you some time. Everyone that took us up on that, I kind of blocked out an hour to spend with them. And it did take up a hell of a lot of time, mm. a hell of a lot of time. But for me, it was absolutely invaluable. Absolutely invaluable. And you can kind of just get a sense about people's creativity, kind of just, yeah, whether they get us or not. Yeah, I love that. And actually, from I would say from our perspective as an agency, mm. it's a really generous thing to do. So because mm. because we want to see how the relationship is as well from our side. But also, you know, there's something really important about if about visiting the place that you're pitching to do work mm. for. You know, I think that's 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 a necessity. But yeah, I just having the generosity to give agencies that time is is really really important you're asking them to commit an awful lot of time in pulling a proposal together I mean you know when we pulled this proposal together it was not a oh we'll just knock something out in like a day and it'll be done you know there was a lot of time and effort that goes into it so I think it's it's really kind of respectful to give the agency that initial time to ask those questions I was going to say it's the, it's the least we can do we're expecting yeah we're expecting agencies to do or we're hoping that they're going to put a decent amount of time in and thought and yeah as you say it's just it's respectful it's good manners so fast forward to um the chosen agency which was us <laughs> thank you very much um <laughs> we obviously enjoyed your company and didn't want to sack you off as a client which is good 
another thing that was really good about the process is you communicated really clearly and well you communicated really clearly up front what was going to happen mm-hmm. um what the evaluation process was going to look like how long it was going to take how many agencies you were going to shortlist to and then actually what you were going to ask of them of the next stage as well because sometimes that's a bit loose we're not sure and I'll be honest, you did ask for creative for the next mm-hmm. stage. So you shortlisted down and the next stage was obviously meeting the agency with the team that were going to be making those decisions. This is always a really controversial thing in a brief is to ask for creative. But you did it in a way that, again, I think was really respectful of the agency and their time is that you actually offered um, to pay for the creative. Mm-hmm. And that for us, we 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 very rarely do creatives as part of a tender process because I think that if you haven't had that chance to speak to the the client in that you know that you know our process you know it's really collaborative we're going to ask a lot of questions there's there's a lot of research and you know stuff that goes into that before you come up with the creatives for it it's very hard to to kind of pitch something that you're never going to like what we pitch it's just it's going to be impossible it'd be like a one in a million if we pitched Mm. something in a in this process that you went oh yeah that's it we'll have that one and so the fact that you'd offered to kind of pay for the time for people to do that again brilliant we that was like a massive like tick for us and I'll be I'll be really honest about that again the, the previous briefs that we'd done which was I guess four or five years before we asked for creative and we didn't pay for it and we had a similar level of interest and we got one agency that contacted us and said, no, we don't do creative. And that was it. This time around, actually, initially, we asked for creative and we weren't given a payment. And we got within hours um, people saying to us, oh, we're not so sure about that. We're not very happy with that. And of course, there were agencies that were fine and probably would have got ahead with it. But I, for me, I guess... <laughs> Partly because my background is, I, I, I was a, I went to art school and did all that stuff, and it's like actually I know how much goes into the creative process, and it just absolutely resonated with me straight away. And it was really interesting the, the huge sea change in the space of a few few years, from people just sucking it up and doing it to actually raising concerns. So I think it was literally within about twenty four hours of us sending that information out, we backtracked on it. Mm-hmm. And we, I, we, we ring fence the budget, and actually we knew as well that that budget wasn't enough realistically to cover the time that an agency would want to put into that creative work. It was all that we could afford. But apart from anything else, as you say, it just felt respectful. And and I have been involved in tender processes before at other places. I'll say very clearly um, where. You know, there hasn't been a respectful attitude to that work as far as even with the just the intellectual property of it. It's like, oh, we like that idea. And kind of can we squeeze that into there? And it's it's um, it's never sat right with me. Um, and I've I've also been involved in tender processes where I'm aware that agencies are being seen. And they're not going to get the gig again for whatever reason. Um, I mean, we'll come on to budgets for but I've been involved in ones where the the budget that that an agency has quoted is far beyond kind of the the budget that we had available. So they were never going to get it. But bosses at the time were kind of curious to see what more they get for the money. And I'm sitting there looking at how much work they've done. And it just feels wrong. Mm. And yeah, again, I'll be really honest, that 
it came back in a huge wave of people just going, I really want to go for this brief, but I'm not comfortable with that element of it. So we changed it. And I was relieved and actually really, um, it made me even more enthusiastic for the project that we were doing. And I liked the fact that straight away, the people that we were working with weren't afraid to voice an unpopular, potentially unpopular opinion. Yeah. Yeah, it was fundamental for me. I'm really glad it happened. And I'm really glad to say that it's something that Eureka, we, we have adopted subsequently for any kind of, any tender that we do that has a creative element. So we did one recently for a digital marketing agency based in Liverpool, where we're opening a second site next year. And we asked for creative for that. And we made that payment as part of that as well. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. So we we have adopted that as a policy now. I don't see it very often. I do see it every now and then. I'd love to see it more. I would love to see it more. Mm. But I just think, yeah, like you say, it's just that it's that level of it's it's, it's respecting the time that goes into it. I think that was Mm. that was really a bit of a game changer for us. Okay, let's talk about the brief. Let's talk about why it was so good. So the first up thing, and we've talked about this, is that you let people talk to you. That was the best thing about this. You let people talk to you, you let people come to visit, and you met with them. Massively time-consuming on your part, mm-hmm. but awesome for everybody involved and really important from your perspective in terms of like how that relationship's going to be, what those people are like. It's really interesting that you said about interacting with the venue as well. I hadn't thought about that. It mm. that just was a natural thing. That, that we did because it's awesome but yeah I hadn't thought about that you'd be looking for that necessarily yeah it's um I love taking people on tours of the place I get quite a, a good read on them just from that yeah it's yeah it's interesting okay so the second thing that really stood out for us about the brief was the tone of voice the way mm. that it was written let's face it where briefs can be a little bit dry. <laughs> you're talking about content management systems. Uh, you're talking about functionality and things that it needs and payment processing and all that kind of stuff. However, you made this brief really fun. You wrote it in Eureka's tone of voice and it was excellent. You know, I, there's a, I'm going to read out a bit here. I'll probably read it wrong. But in an ideal world, we'd love families to look at our website, let out an audible wow, and then think, I've got to go there and potential funders to gasp and be inspired to support our work. There must be a way. For our part, we're absolutely, positively, definitely, completely unwavering in our determination to be a little less lacurious. I don't even know if I pronounced that right. (laughs) Loquacious. Loquacious, sorry. (laughs) I did not pronounce it right. Um, Loquacious. We mean we won't be so wordy, promise. Just even that. I mean, apart from the fact that I can't read properly. (laughs) I mean, that is that sums up the tone of the brief, right? That was how it and it was just lovely to read. Yeah, we really got a feel for what it it would potentially be like working with you and with the organisation just from the tone of voice of that. Um, Did you get any help with this? I think you did, didn't you? There was a was there a workshop that you went on? No, not with the tone of voice element of it, although I felt really inspired by it. I I went to, to Alia Walker, who at the time she's with Smack Agency. She's with Milk and Moore now, I think. Um, she had done a workshop at a kids in museums event that I went to and it was about the briefing process what the perfect brief would be and it kind of fired me up the timing was perfect because it was just before I started working on this brief and she was just talking about why can't you tell us what the budget is why can't you be open about this why can't you just you know tell us what the challenges are tell us the things that you don't know and the things that you don't know that you don't know and it's kind of just be really open and a, you know, you're more likely to find an agency that 
it's on your wavelength. And that kind of inspired me to, so I've done quite a lot of work at Eureka generally since I joined it. I mean, I've been there, I've been there 10, 10 years last month. Wowzers. My Eureka birthday. And I mean, I've been there a few years at that point and they hadn't had a digital person and they hadn't really got a tone of voice. And for their external communications, they very much did in the museum. Very much did in the museum. You talk to the staff, they they are chatty and confident and friendly mm. and funny and human. And they'll admit if they don't know something and then they'll go and find out for you. And they're really a bit geeky about little um, they have little snippets of information and everyone has their own talents. And we absolutely try and encourage those because it's what makes a visit to Eureka memorable for me. And I couldn't quite understand why, you know, you get, you get into it and it's very human and conversation as soon as you walk through the doors. But externally, it wasn't particularly human and it wasn't particularly conversational. And obviously, initially with social media channels, that made absolute sense. But that started to filter through to the other content and the other copy. And actually, one, one of the big things that we knew about the website is we tied ourselves in knots trying to explain what a children's museum is. Yeah. And we're not a science and discovery centre. We're not a museum where everything's in cabinets or, you know, there's this um, historical collection or a collection of some nature. We're not a collections-based museum. It's an interactive space designed with kids, for kids. And on previous websites, we, again, were tying ourselves in knots trying to explain that. And it's like, well, let's just show them. Mm. Um, So, I mean, that was one of the challenges that, that went into the brief was how can we show this? But a key part of that as well is that tone of voice filtering through. And again, it was it was a conscious decision to do it in that way. Because for me, if you don't get it, you don't respond to that tone of voice. We don't particularly want to work with you anyway. We know that people will have looked at that brief, cringed and never wanted to go back to it ever again. <laughs> I mean, I can't think who and obviously they're Philistines. But um, yeah, it, it was an important bit for us. And I, again, I will say, because I sat down with it. And I just started writing the brief that I, the brief I'd always wanted to write and expected it to go up to my director and up to Sunilis and then to go, what? But they loved it and encouraged it. And yeah, it was absolutely inspired. Kind of a fire was lit under me by Alia and um, I did run it past her as well before we, we sent it out. I just said, look, you've inspired me to do this. Can you have a look at this and tell me what you think? And she had a look at it and was just, Excellent. Yeah. Oh, big shout out to Alia and Lubna yeah. actually from Smack Agency. I know that agency very well and they are superb. Mm. Okay, next thing. You defined the feeling of the brand <laughs> really, really well. So um, the tone of voice, that kind of set our tone of voice to because we kind of knew how, you, how to communicate with you. Mm. So I can remember writing our brief and putting, you know us, we're quite, we're quite chill. We're quite laid back about, you know, just the way that we speak is quite, you know, friendly and it, it allowed us to be a bit friendlier in our response. Do you know, like, yeah. so you get us as well. Um, so that was really great. But I think that the way, yeah, the way that you define the feeling of the brand was really incredible. So we could kind of really understand what it was all about without necessarily, you know, you, you've, sometimes it's difficult to describe what Eureka is, but mm. the, the, describing that feeling of it, that really gave us a kind of sense of, oh, yeah, we really want to work with this, this organisation. This is for us. Um, but the other thing was 
that there was a challenge in this brief. Mm-hmm. The website brief was the you know the website needed redesigning. It wasn't performing particularly well. There were some things that were that were challenging. There were things that people were potentially not understanding about the museum. But you also had this kind of challenge that actually it wasn't a di- it wasn't necessarily a digital challenge. It was a look. We've got this issue with people have to queue and. Um, if they want their annual pass, they're going to have to queue again when they get here. So then they've got this mm. double queuing situation. They're just basically just getting really pissed off. And uh, what can we do about it? And that was great to have kind of an open-ended, well, here's the brief for the thing that we really need. Mm. But actually, oh, we've got this problem as well. Like, what do you think you can do? I mean, we're like, oh, well, this is good, isn't it? Because there wasn't <laughs> any kind of, it wasn't, um, it was really open. Like, what What do you think that we could do about this? And this was like, oh, great. This is a real challenge for us to think about, you know. So that was awesome. Yeah, I just tried to find a way to write, help! <laughs> <laughs> help, but constructively, help. Yeah. <laughs> and then you actually carried out some internal testing as well, which mm-hmm. was really useful. Yeah, and fascinating. And I wish I had time to do it constantly. It was, yeah, we did. Obviously, I kind of dived, dove, dived, dove, dived face first into Google Analytics and had a look at kind of where the traffic was and actually where we wanted it to be. So there's that element of it. But we also did some really intensive qualitative stuff um, with some user testing. And it was Stuff I've done previously in the university sector tends to be on a much bigger scale. But with this, we, we spent a day, we had six people who were our audience. We included, we found some teachers, but um, we tried to identify people, um, all but one of them, who weren't aware of Eureka, hadn't visited us. And then we had someone that knew us really intimately as well. That sounds a bit rude, but... and spent a day so we gave them a number of tasks I sat with them um I was just mostly observing um it was kind of the agency we were working with at time reading room they ran the actual process for us and we just gave them a number of tasks and asked people to kind of vocalize what they were doing during and where are you looking for what search terms are you using so this is a website you want to find out about this and watched people trying to do it and within I think the first two people there were some huge things so we had um for example a really a a low conversion rate on the the book tickets page I forget what the conversion rate was but we knew it was low and we thought it was really weird and really quickly it's because that was the quickest way for people to find out how much it costs right so they're not actually necessarily going to go and book that way but they're struggling to find prices elsewhere and that's what the vast majority of people wanted to know it was yeah how much where are you are you open now when are you open and that was the bulk of it but we we also knew we had a lot of other audiences so one of the other ones that we did um so I, I sat with a teacher and went through and the way we'd we had the school information there wasn't enough information for her she needed really quite detailed uh she needed downloadable things that she could print off for a class she needed lengthy information about what the curriculum links were so she's one of the the rare web visitor who wants lots and lots and lots and lots of information lots of wordy information whereas of course the vast majority of people how much are you open so it was yeah it was really 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 useful 
Um, and it again, it, it was time consuming because we kind of coming up with, you know, planning what the scripts were and what do we want to do before. But um, absolutely worth it. Invaluable, invaluable insights that we got from people. Yeah, really helpful for us as well. because mm. We do our own testing, but um, yeah, having that outside of you is always better than just our own internal kind of opinions mm. about something. Going back to what you said at the beginning around Eddie and not being able to take the project on because mm. he didn't work with an open source CMS, that was really important as well. The mm. fact that you defined what you didn't define the platform. I know you were familiar with WordPress, mm-hmm. so you know there was a uh, maybe a bias towards it, but you just defined what you needed from the CMS, and that was really great for us as well because mm. we could understand if we worked in a platform that was actually going to f- fit what you needed. That, that that was quite great. So there was a lot of specification around the things that you really needed to have as well. So you, you defined what you needed for the mm-hmm. budget and we'll, we'll talk about budget in a bit, but you defined exactly what you really needed and then some things that you might, you might like to have, but you were kind of realistic that some of those things that you might like to have might be outside of that budget as well, mm. which was a really good. So there was a, a must have and then a, a like to have list. Mm. Sometimes you don't get that. <laughs> so sometimes in a brief you get this is everything that we want and this is the budget for it and you have to go whoa okay well look like we you might need to strip some of these things out and think about them as a phase two and that's another thing as well is that when we talked to you it was really clear that that this you could take a phased approach as well mm-hmm. um and I think that comes out of being able to speak to somebody about you know what's what's the real need here what's what's the necessity what do we need to launch with and then what are things that maybe potentially come later and how does that affect what you're doing yeah and I'm always really aware of fake deadlines Mm -hmm. and you kind of pluck a date out of thin air and we're going to work towards that and with a project as big as this with so many different elements I knew I mean we were coming up to our 25th birthday so we couldn't move that there were elements of it that had to be ready for that and then others that actually it's not the end of the world if we don't if we can deliver them all for them great but yeah again it's that thing about being really clear because you don't know if if people don't know the the fixed parameters that you've got then they're going to rule themselves out before they've they've even got any you know, the minute they've done a submission for it and it's not fair asking someone to do all that work if they can't it's like writing a good job description you put the you put the things in there that you absolutely need and the things that are absolutely necessary. And being vague just to see what's out there doesn't really benefit anyone. It was really important for me. So we knew there are some things here that are deal breakers. So let's be really upfront about that. And then there are some other things that we, like you, the example you gave with some of the features, we didn't know how much they cost. We thought we'd quite like that. But can you do that within the brief? And actually, we, we're not going to discount you if you say well that's not something that you that you could afford within that brief but for the sake of a bit more money we were just really open about that and receptive to the answers that we got and which were pretty consistent on that particular element to be honest um yeah it's it's I, I I've seen a few briefs recently where they're just it's really vague and it, to me that's just a waste of everyone's time because the submissions that you read um, again, I'll go back to the previous tender process. And I, I must, I don't know how long I spent reading responses. And you'd be reading through, like, this is really good. And then you get to an element and it's like, oh, well, they can't do it. And it's like, actually, it's wasted their time and it's wasted mine. I'm not anywhere near as much as mine individually, <laughs> but it's, yeah, it, it, it's, 
if the more open you can be, the more efficient you can be for everyone's sake. Um, Absolutely. Mm. Let's talk about timeframes and budget because, yeah. again, with this brief, it was a really realistic time frame. And I think mm. that's important. Like we we see a lot of briefs that come in and you'll look at the time frame and then you'll think, OK, well, by the time we've submitted and they've reviewed and they've chosen, actually, that leaves about eight weeks for this project. And that's nowhere near enough. And, and then when you push back, they're like, no, 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 that's the deadline. That's it. It's not moving. And I check sometimes. So <laughs> I, I have a tendency to keep either briefs that we haven't won Mm. or briefs that we've decided we we can't for, for whatever reason we, we're not a good fit for we can't achieve that deadline and we've we've had the discussion and they're like no it's not going to move and then I check <laughs> so I, I I set a little um diary reminder to go I'm gonna go and check to see if that website went live then and they never do they, they never, never do, do. <laughs> and I always think well look you just yeah be realistic about it right you know there's if agencies if most agencies are coming back to you going this isn't achievable this this is maybe a, is there any wiggle room on this deadline it's not an achievable time frame um mm. so definitely have a have a little word with yourself about that <laughs> but also budget um there was a budget indicated in this brief mm. i cannot express how important it is to have a budget and i think there's still that uh perception that it's because agencies are going to go to the top of it and it's not about that I really genuinely really is not about that it is about what can we deliver for you that is going to work for your budget and for your time frame and all of the things that you need and it will have an effect on the CMS for example that we use or it might have an effect on what level of testing we can do or where how much time we can spend on wireframes or how many meetings we have you know there is there it has an effect on every single part of that project mm. We might have this just the most incredible idea and we'll we can pitch it to you. But then we've got to work out how we make that idea happen with the budget that you've got. If we know up front, we can do all of that before we speak to you rather than actually going, oh, my God, you could have this amazing thing. And then finding out that your budget is 5K and then we go in, oh, you can't have that now. Mm. There's no way we can do that for you now. So it's so vital for us. But I just I kind of want to stress how how much it isn't about us going. We're going to go to the top end of that. Which I do get, and I, and I hear that a lot, the fear that if we say we've got 15 grand and everyone's going to say, well, we can do this 15 grand, whether it's going to cost them two or 30. Again, going back to a previous tender process I was involved in that didn't have a budget on it. So obviously everyone received the exact same brief. And I think on this particular instance, we got about 14 or 15 responses to it. And hand on heart, the bottom one was 4K. And the top one sure it was it was once went up to 160 or 180 responding to the same brief and so of course they were just straight out because we had nowhere near that much money and that was one of the processes where they where they interviewed someone that had quoted for higher than the budget that we had just to see what the difference was which just felt really unfair to me but there's something fundamentally wrong with that brief Mm. you've got such a difference in it but that's always really stayed with me so I do remember getting this kind of eight page 4k submission versus this it was 160 um and it again it just felt unfair like a waste of their time it's crazy totally gonna put Mm. my prices up now (laughs) (laughs) I did say what kind of website are we getting gold plated gold plated or we figured maybe there was some kind of reenactment that actually people went to people's houses and started 
<laughs> reading content for them. It was, yeah, it was nuts. Yeah. Um, and, but then that just shows you why it's really important to put something in there. And, and don't get me wrong, we will always push back. If we don't feel that the budget is enough, we'd, we'd definitely push back. But we've also been like, yeah, this is a great budget. We could do, you know, we can do everything that you need with this and probably have some left over as well. So, okay. Clear feedback. Mm. Oh, this is another thing that happens loads and I don't know how to solve it. So whenever we get a brief and it isn't as perfect as, as this one, um, there's always loads of questions that we ask, regardless of what brief comes over. And one of the questions is, if we don't win this, can we get feedback? Um, and actually, if we do win, can we have feedback as well? Because even if you win it, there might still be stuff that you've not done as brilliantly as someone else that's proposed. It's just, you, you know, on the day you swung it or whatever, so, something something made you win it. You got on well with that person. I don't know. So either way, you really, really need feedback. And partly because so much time goes into putting a, a, a tender mm-hmm you know submission together it'd be really great to get some feedback because if that's all we're going to get at least we can then it, there's something constructive that's come out of it we can improve for the next one we can understand you know why we didn't win it or what what we could have done to win it you know what we could have done better even when i ask i would say 60% of the time maybe 70% of the time we don't get feedback that often yeah that really surprises me oh it's really frustrating and I really push as well. I don't let it go. <laughs> I, I will send multiple emails. If there's a phone number, I will be ringing you. There's a few things. I think it is quite hard to give constructive feedback. And if you're not very good at it, you shy away from it. I think that people are uncomfortable about delivering bad news a lot of the time. But we're really thick skinned and we really need it. Like we really need to understand what we did wrong. Um, or, or you know maybe it wasn't anything wrong maybe it was just someone just absolutely nailed it you know and and yeah if in another circumstance we would have won it with what we delivered but actually these guys blew it out of the water you know mm. but if we don't know you just have this feeling of oh I just feel really sad and it's actually quite I, I'm kind of used to it now um, and yeah. I am really thick-skinned but it's a bit demoralizing for the team you know, they they kind of need to know why we didn't win those, why we didn't win that, you know, because we're all excited about it. The whole team is in, invested in a brief when it comes in and we're all invested in really wanting to work with that company or we wouldn't put the effort in to put in that, that tender submission together. So it kind of, it has a really, sometimes a quite negative effect on the agency when they don't get the feedback. Not that they don't win. We all know we can't win everything, but it's about not understanding why it's really hard. I guess as well, and for people that don't work in agencies and don't go through that process, it's trying to explain to them that you go for a job interview, you get called back for a second interview and you do um, the task as part of that, you work on a big presentation, then you don't get the job and you never hear anything from them ever again. It's, yeah, of course you get invested in it. And if that keeps happening to you over and over again, of course it's going to start to knock your confidence or start to as you say it can it can be really quite disheartening um again I'm a bit gobsmacked by it because it's something that we and it's not just me I'm not going to say I'm kind of an angel on it but the ethos at work and the people that I work with at Eureka it's really important to us and we we do um so for example with the tender process you were involved in we did feedback all of the people that were shortlisting we did feedback in a spreadsheet on every single one so that we could offer feedback um realistically we couldn't necessarily have a conversation with everyone that submitted but what we did say is um you know we will give you written feedback if you want it sometimes they don't 
Um, and for anyone that came to the actual doing creative stage, we would have a conversation with them. And I had a phone conversation, I think, with, with everyone that pitched. As you say, sometimes it's not necessarily going to be that constructive. Uh, in fact, to me, it was, it was, I'd say it was a closer thing, but this was one of those, not to blow smoke up your behind, but this is one of those when we just said, actually, this agency just blew everyone out of the water. And it was quite difficult because one of those, the agencies that pitched for it was an agency that we'd been working with. So it wasn't an easy conversation, but I respect it enough to try and be honest about what was going on. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fair. And, I, and as I say, I know that that's not just me. Um, I'm, I think I've been influenced by the people I work with and probably vice versa, but we know how important it is. Yeah, very important and really appreciated from mm. from our perspective as well. It's yeah, it's not. It can be really painful. <laughs> one of the other actually one of the questions that we often ask, I don't always want to know. And I didn't in this circumstance, but sometimes we want it, it's nice to know what agencies we're up against. With with this process, it's slightly different because I think you know we knew it was an open you know an open tender. I mean, we, we had no idea that you could you were going to get up to like forty submissions. That was that was mad. But when you get shortlisted to go through to a next stage, it's often quite nice to know who you're up against. You were open to telling us, but I actually said I didn't want to know for this one. Yeah, we asked all the agencies because I think one or two of them had asked. And we asked the agencies if they wanted to, if they were happy to, for other people to know they were involved, if they wanted to know. I think, did you say you were happy for other people to know, but you didn't want to? I can't remember that. Yeah, I, but, I didn't want the pressure. <laughs> I, yeah. think, I think we really wanted to win it so much that I didn't want the pressure of, of Len looking at looking at who we we're up against and going, oh, they're like, they're really, they're much bigger than us or they've got much more experience in that sector or they've or this, that and that. And, you know, their, their work's awesome. And I just thought, don't know. Just go, just mm. be yourself, go in and do your thing. Don't know, don't know about all those things. That's yeah, I'll have a look afterwards. I did, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely did afterwards. But what I would say, what, what's happened so recently, um, we've had a few, uh, you know, a few, few, few briefs have been sent to us and it's lovely. So what, what's really nice is that we're chosen for people to send a brief to. So, um, you know, more and more so we'll receive a brief and they'll say look, we've chosen like four agencies that we've sent this out to. Some will say we've sent this out to 10 agencies and I think that's too many personally, but um, it's nice that you've been chosen as one of those four agencies. And in those circumstances, I do always ask who the other agencies are. I don't always, I don't yeah. always get, get told, but I do always ask because I think for us, it's a way of, it's a way of gauging. Do we think, do we think that we're actually in with a chance of winning this? And, and I think that's a really honest thing to, to say is that we will not go for every brief that lands on our desk because honestly we some of them we just don't think that we're going to win and it might be because there's an existing relationship with with an agency that's that's on that list that it's gone out to and we don't understand why you would want to change from that um if it, there might be potentially some research has been carried out by an agency and the research has been included in that brief and you're like why would you get them to do the research if if you you must have a good relationship with them to do that if you're not going to give them this why don't you just go to them like oh, is everyone just wasting their time are you going to you know do you know what I mean it, that's, it, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's really honest but sometimes that happens and I think sometimes we go okay well what work have we got scheduled in and we have to be really realistic as and say we are really busy right now what time can we dedicate to this 
pitch like what what time can we dedicate to putting this tender document together if we don't think that we've got enough time to give it justice we'll also say we don't think that the timing's right for us to be able mm. to do this so I think sometimes knowing who you're up against is is important in this circumstance I felt it was going to be a distraction rather than something, yeah, something yeah. useful okay so your brief essentially covered all of the points that we go through with what is a great brief. So I, I talked about this at the, at the start and I will link to our blog post uh, in the show notes for this episode. But essentially, we're looking for a really detailed company profile and doing that in a way that it really showcases what it's going to be like to work for that brand. So that tone of voice is so hugely important in that essence. Mm. Um we need to know what the project goals and objectives are. And we really need to be able to ask you questions about that as well. So, you know, if you're putting a brief together, um, think about how much time you've got to dedicate to this process, because being able to speak to the person that's wrote this brief and ask some questions, but an agency is absolutely vital. You are going to get a much better response if you allow that to happen. Um, we need to know about your audience you know, if there's been any persona work done, that's always helpful. Where the current website has failings that we can't see, um, that we don't know about, what the new website needs to deliver and really, you know, be specific about, you know, if there's a content management system that you are totally wedded to, we need to know about that up front because it might not be one that we that we use. Um, I put competitors on this list, but um, I think from a, a attractions perspective, I mean, obviously you've got competitors, but it's more about what space do you sit in and and, and yeah. what do you, you know, what, what are you and where do you sit into that kind of ecosystem? Um, a schedule of, you know, timelines and and that's not just for the project, that's for what the, the process of potentially winning this project might look like. Budget, big thumbs up, putting a budget in there. <laughs> um, and then actually the the feedback and selection process. I think some of the best briefs we've ever had, it's kind of specified what that's going to look like as well. And so we're kind of, we know if there's going to be an expectation of creative and yeah. we're going to bring you and say, hey, we don't do that. Or, you know, do you really need to see a creative at this point? Because I don't think it's going to work. And maybe we should look at, you know, stuff that we've done previously. Yeah. Will that work? Can I make a quick point about creative actually? Mm. Um, I was thinking about this because different people respond to creative in different ways. And something that I thought was really interesting in this process, because I absolutely take the point of process as well, where it's like, well, you could not get a job because you've done something in green and they didn't like green. And it's like, I could have made it blue or purple or whatever. And you can lose it. There, There are people who could take creative too literally. And I think that's a real issue. And that's that's why, you know, I can see why people don't like creative, the, the amount of work that goes into it um, aside. But it's that thing about people who don't, if you were going, if you were doing the process from um, my side of it, from as the client, it's understanding that creative is changeable. And it's, yeah, as you say, it's not going to be the final thing. But also, I mean, because what I would say with the creative, the view and rubber cheese presented, actually the end website is very different very different from the creative that was in that that was in the in the pitch Mm. and that kind of didn't matter the the thing that particularly me and uh, Michelle uh, Michelle Emerson my director look out for was the process that took you there the walk that you went on to get there and how you respond to us pointing out elements that wouldn't work for our brand because we could 
it'd be yeah wonderful if you came in at your first attempt it was absolutely nailed it but we also understand that it's an iterative process it's it's, anyway um and I think that is really important if you are asking for creative it's understanding that you've given someone one bash at your brief and I do and I have worked with people who take that creative very literally and don't understand that it's just an example you just for me it's really useful to see someone's design ethic their approach to it the the creative process the feedback process how open they are to it how they it it was the pitch that I was involved with yourself was I think it was the longest one that we had and there was a really long discussion between everyone that was involved in that pitch that was prompted by the creative and that's that's really telling for me yeah, I can remember it felt quite brutal. I'm not going to lie. I, I, yeah. we, we left that. <laughs> we left. I, I mean, I like pitching and I, it was great. It was a, I felt like it went well, but we left going. I don't know if they actually liked what we delivered because they really went in on us on it. There was a lot of kind of like <laughs> picking, picking it apart. And I was thinking, but this was just supposed to be a creative. It wasn't it was never going to be the final kind of yeah. bang. So yeah, it was um, it was interesting to see the discussions that it sparked. And I guess that's part mm. of the process as well, isn't it? Yeah, but don't ditch something because you didn't like green. I mean, that's a life lesson, that, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I like green very much. Same. Um, can I ask, and it might be that this is just the way the organisation does things, but would you do it again in, in the same way? So would you have an open tender? Because I guess you you then had to spend time reading 38 submissions. Mm. That's a hell of a lot of time um, to then get them down to five. So the time frames would have been, because you never because if it's an open tender, you never know how many you're going to get, right? So mm. you might have got five, but actually you've got nearly 40 and you've got to distill that down. Yeah, could have had 102. Wow. Um, short answer, no. Um, it's again it's interesting because that process went so well we adopted the same for a number of other briefs um so we did a number of open tenders on um the next example that my team was directly involved in was a PR agency brief and we would not do that again that sounded really negative it still went it was still a really good experience but it was just it was too much I think what what would you do I think Obviously, I haven't done another web tender since then because we still have a relationship with Cheese and we're very Why would you need to? Why would we ever need to? (laughs) Um, It's really interesting. So when we have done briefs for other stuff, so creative design agencies for, obviously, we're opening our second site, a science and discovery centre, and we've been going through the process quite a lot there, and we have identified agencies, and we've done quite a lot of our homework, and we've gone out to a number of them to invite them to pitch for it or tender for it initially and it's really weird because of course then you end up everyone knows each other so with with Mersey we've not been we aren't based in Liverpool so we don't know a lot of the agencies there so we went to um agencies or sorry partners that we're working with on that development and asked them who they've worked with who they'd recommend and it's it's on the one hand you you lose the wild card element of it but then on the other hand it it can be faster hell of a lot faster and a lot less time consuming so it's really weird because I'm also aware of the fact that had we not done an open tender then we wouldn't be working with rubber cheese now I know it's a it's a really tricky one isn't it yeah but it hasn't worked for us I mean it may be 
one of those that case by case, there might be other briefs that come up and actually we know that we should just go for it. So we did do an open one with, we, ended, we worked with Playmaker Studios, uh, who are based over Liverpool to um, develop our brand for Eureka Science and Discovery. And that was, was that an open one? Yeah, we did an open one for that. We promoted it on social, but we did also send it to people. Oh, okay, so you did a bit of a mix. Bit of both. And that, again, that worked out really well for us. And we, you know, who knows whether we would have ended up working with them if we did it differently. But yeah, it's a funny one. I really don't know. What's your take on it from the agency perspective? It's it's really difficult. So I, I, yeah. I think, and it actually in the podcast that I mentioned at the beginning of the of the um, interview, this the Alex Holliman's choosing an agency podcast. I did state in that podcast that I'd like it when the the, the organisation has done their own homework and they yeah. ask you, so they've they they know who that tender's going out to. And I, cause I, cause honestly, I just think it saves a lot of time for everyone. I just mm. can't imagine how long it would have taken to read through 38 submissions. Um, long. So long. <laughs> cause I know, cause I remember how long our submission was as well. <laughs> um, so, you know, from a time perspective and I think less agencies, the better. And again, from, it's from a selfish perspective, Mm. you know when you're one of 10 agencies that it's gone out to does it really need to go to 10 like do you really need 10 submissions mm. you know I think four five max is is about right but then on the other hand like you say in this circumstance if Eddie hadn't have sent this brief to us we would never have been mm. working with you so there is something to be said for having it a little bit open I kind of like that mixed approach that you took mm. um, I still think I'd sway towards doing the research and sending it to a handful. Yeah, I think generally, I think generally that's that's well, that's what we, we do for the most part now. Um, but I wouldn't be closed to the idea, if, depending on the brief and depending what the project is as well. I mean, in all honesty, with the PR one, that's. <laughs> I mean, we benefited greatly in that you can imagine kind of PR and reputation management agencies. We've got so many things sent to us. Kind of every day we were walking into the office and there was a new kind of mystery box with a crown in or one had a knitted beard in it. I mean, it was just like really random stuff. And so it was kind of fun, but it there's so much time and so much effort that was being put into it and money. And so, you know, when we've been looking beyond that, we, we haven't repeated that because it, it didn't feel fair and it took a hell of a lot of time. And actually... Um, out of the web agencies that wanted to meet, I met with a lot of them, PR agencies, you know, just so many of them wanted to come. Mm. And it wasn't me that had to spend time with it. It was, one, it was my colleague, uh, Ruth Saxton. But she it was so time consuming for her. It was insane. And springs around. I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. There probably are briefs that I would say go for it. And if you don't know really what you want, again, it's, it's that being honest. If you're very specific about, where you want to be with it and you know you, you have a vision in your head and you want it to be very comparable to to these this competitor or that competitor but what that's yeah maybe you do try and look for source agencies or yeah find examples that do that for you but actually when it's a, a brief of that nature when it's like look these are the problems we've got we don't really know what we want otherwise we could just go find someone and get them to do it for us we want creativity we want innovation we want help support we want a relationship we want this so it it was we didn't know where to turn for it so I think it was right for that one thank you 
I really appreciate you talking through this with us today. Uh, two last questions for you. Actually, three questions. What happened to the fake knitted beard? <laughs> I hope that you kept it. <laughs> uh, second question. <laughs> second question on that. Um, is that better than the fake fringe that I once sent you? I think not. No, I think not. Nothing. Do you know? Um, I'm in the process of moving, and that fringe has appeared again recently. <laughs> but uh, even better than that, I think my mum was babysitting and she found. <laughs> What is this? <laughs> a fake fringe. Everyone needs one. Obviously. <laughs> you know, to explain listeners, I wasn't sure whether to have a fringe cut at one point. Or, so I bought a fake <laughs> fake fringe that I could wear to see. I didn't wear it out. I just wore it around the office to see if I looked okay with a fringe. <laughs> There's nothing weird about that at all. And it doesn't look like a merkin at all <laughs> to the untrained eye. <laughs> I'm so glad that you said that, not me. Um, okay, final question. Find my mother. Wow. On that note, um, final. What was it? The question. Final question for you. No, final question. Um, a book that you would like to recommend book. to us? Oh, uh, the beard mm. circling back uh, came home with me, and I might, I may or may not have put it on my baby daughter <laughs> several times and taken a photograph. Um, book. I'm even prepared with this. I thought, look. Got it here. Ah, this is. I was gonna do. I was gonna be really geeky and do um like a, a workbook. It's really good for people that work in content. And I decided not to do that. Um, I love books, but I'll be really honest. Particularly since I've had a child, I've struggled. If you go downstairs, I've got, I've got a bit of a show offy book collection. There's like there's lots of Russian literature and kind of when I had a brain that could process all this stuff. I can't do it anymore. Anyway, but this this guy is a chap called Craig Clevenger. And this was his first novel, The Contortionist's Handbook. Oh. Um, the reason I suggest I've done this one is uh, I reread it a couple of times. I don't tend to reread books very often. Um, I love them, and, but I very rarely reread them. This one I inhaled. It's all about a chap who fakes his own identity and he kind of goes in cycles and he rebuilds his identity each time. And it's him trying to get out of a very difficult situation. So it's a kind of a thriller. Um, but I just loved it and I kind of loved the fact it felt like you know when you discover a new author it was recommended to me from um member uh, member of staffing I think it was a Waterstones in Derby and I just bought it on the off chance and it was a debut novel he's written a couple of others since he works in a library in Texas and I might have spoken to him and he might have sent me a copy of his second book but yeah so I kind of wanted a bit of a pay it forward as well I've also got this is the the paperback copy that I bought at the time um so if anyone wants it if they tweet me, first oh. person to tweet me, I'll, I'll post a copy of it out to them. Oh, well, I was going to give it away as a prize. Totally ruined my prize giving, but oh, whatever. sorry. <laughs> but this is the copy that I got given in, in Waterstones in Derby. Oh, I've obviously lent it to someone else as well because I've got a little, it says, oh. enjoy, enjoy, yes. Oh, we'll really? leave that in there. Whoever, okay, so I tell you what, let's do it properly. If you if you want to win Sophie's book, head over to our Twitter account and you retweet this episode announcement with the comment, I want Sophie's book, you can win it and she will I will make sure that she sends it out to you. I will do with the enjoy. Um, thank you for coming on. It's been a delight to chat to you. <laughs> uh, I am gonna see if I can get the word loquacious into a conversation today. Hey, I said it right. Woo! <laughs> Yeah, thank you for coming on and sharing with us, Sophie. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to Skip the Queue. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps others find us. And remember to follow us on Twitter for your chance to win the books that have been mentioned. Skip the Queue is brought to you by Rubber Cheese, 
a digital agency that builds remarkable systems and websites for attractions that helps them increase their visitor numbers. You can find show notes and transcriptions from this episode and more over on our website, rubbercheese.com forward slash podcast.